0: Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message. Our hope is that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Happy Sunday, social fam. Hey, I'm here with my assistant. My armor bearer, Evie girl. Hey, we are preaching in Tulsa today, but I wanted to take a moment, first of all, tell you how much I love you. I'm so thankful you're there at Gilly's service. It's gonna be phenomenal. This is the last Sunday, Evie, of our series, Can We Talk? And we got a special speaker today. I've left you in good hands. Pastor Manny Arango is in the building. He's got a phenomenal word. I cannot wait y'all to hear what he's gonna preach. Look, he is a part of the Social Dallas Fam. So right now, I need you wherever you are Gillies, get up on your feet, get up on your feet, and I want you to put your hands together for Pastor Manny Arango! Peace Peace out. out. Any worshipers in the building today, come on. I'm glad that you would stand up for me, but I didn't wake you up this morning, come on. My blood was not shed for the remission of your sins. So God, we ask that you would speak, hallelujah. It's funny, I've, uh, I've always been short, okay? I'm five, five and a half right now. You may not be able to tell because I'm on stage, but I'm short, all right? Uh, which means I was short as a kid. I was a short, <laughs> I was a short child. And I remember standing in front of this door that was supposed to automatically open. And as we were singing, I thought about this memory I was standing in front of this door, and like door wouldn't pop open. It's like the sensor could not pick up <laughs> that there was a small child in front of the door. And you know, I'm standing there like, you know, the door's supposed to pop open. I walked back, walked back up, walked back, walked back up, nothing. And then all of a sudden, this door just like magically opened. And you know, I started feeling good about myself. Like, yeah, I ain't that short, you know what I'm saying? I ain't that small. And then I made the mistake. Of looking behind me and realizing that it was my father who had stood behind me and the door opened I wonder if there's anybody in the room today who realizes your degree did not open that door your sorority or fraternity association didn't open that door your last name didn't open that door I wonder if there's anybody in the room who you stood in front of some closed doors and there are some things that the enemy said no but God behind you your heavenly father began to add his weight to what you were trying to do I wonder if there's anybody believing this is the week God's gonna open some doors oh I've been believing by faith for some doors to open and God I will give you all of the praise and all of the glory and all of the honor you are worthy of it all God don't let me take any of your glory for myself I wonder if there's anybody who's in the room and you're saying, yo, the same God that opened doors back then. Oh, I'm in front of a new door. But he's not a new God. He's the same God. And the same God that was faithful for you two years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, come on. He can be faithful for you today. So come on, God, we ask right now by the power of your spirit, that you would be in the room. God, we do not need my sermon, we need your message. I've got a sermon, but God, you have a message that you wanna communicate to your people today. So God, let me go ahead and move out the way. And God, I ask that you would speak. We speak right now to every scale on somebody's eyes, and we declare right now, come on, blindness be gone. You're gonna see today. Come on, God, I don't have the ability to turn a hard heart soft, but you do. So God, we speak to every callous heart that may be in the room and we declare right now, your heart is getting softened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, we speak to every deaf ear and we declare right now, deaf ears be open to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today. God, we ask that you would rest in the room. Your word says that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are and you inhabit the praises of your people. And we've praised you. And so now, God, our expectation is that you would rest with us, inhabit our praise. Come on, move your weight around, God. Shake people free today. Walk up and down the aisles. We speak in generalities on stage, but you make everything specific to the very person who needs to hear it. So God, we put a demand on heaven's supply. Come on, in Jesus' name we pray. And we all say together, amen. Come on, give God a big shout of praise in the room. Come on, hallelujah. God, there's nobody like you. Hey, you can have a seat. You can have a seat. Uh, Man, Pastor Robert is not here, and I don't care if he's, In the room, not in the room, in Oklahoma, I don't care where that man at, we gonna honor the pastor of the church, okay? Come on, if you believe, come on, that you are here and the head of the home is a great man of God, come on, we thank God for Pastor Robert, Pastor Taylor. Um, I dare not stand on the stage and not honor the pastors in the room. So uh, I absolutely love Pastor Robert and Pastor Taylor. Hey, I did not fly in today, I drove in today. (laughs) Because I am officially a Dallas resident, okay? So I am a happy somebody. Uh, we moved in like a week and a half ago, still unpacking boxes, but I grabbed the coolest sweater I could find, you know what I'm saying? And tried to put that one on, so yeah, no, no, okay, never mind. Uh, <laughs> my wife's here today. Hey, baby. And my son. with the baby headphones. Um, shout out to Pastor Robert, shout out for Pastor Taylor. So generous and kind, and uh, I can't believe this is real life. I get to do this all the time. And. I love y'all. Who was here the last time I preached? Who was here the last time I preached? Okay, that's a lot of hands. For some of y'all who are like, I don't know that man. I don't know who that is. Come on, who's never heard me before? Come on, my name is Manny Arango. I used to live in North Carolina. I now live in Texas. And uh, I'm on the social team. And I'm on the teaching team. And I'm really, really excited to share the word of God with you today. It's our last week. It's our last week of Can We Come on. Can we talk? Uh, Can we talk uh, for a... No. no. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, (laughs) uh, I heard my wife say, from the front row, don't sing. Don't sing. Uh, uh, come on, I want you to get your Bible. Come on, who's got a physical Bible with them? Come on, physical Bibles. Come on, all my AP honors Christians with the physical Bibles. Good. Uh, come on, if you got an iPhone, go ahead, grab that. Come on, go to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. If you got a physical Bible or an iPhone, go to Genesis chapter 29. If you have an Android device, just look up at the screen. <laughs> just, just, just put that down and just look up here, okay? <laughs> Woo! All the unoffended people said, amen. <laughs> um, uh, let's go, let's go. We're going to start reading together. And if there's a word that I don't say, okay, that means it's your turn to say the word that I Don't say, okay, we're going to do fill in the blank styles. And uh, I believe that God has a word for you today as it relates to your romantic relationships, as it relates to every relationship in your life. I think that relationships is the number one way that God uh, is the number one vehicle that God uses to change people's lives. Guess what, anybody in here who's got an increase of faith or you've gotten favor, guess how it came? It came through a relationship, it did. If you're saved right now, it's because somebody, come on, witness to you, it's because somebody invited you to church. So relationships is the number one vehicle that God uses to impact your life. Well, ironically enough, relationships is also the number one vehicle that the enemy uses to distract people and to derail people's destinies. And if you think that Satan is going to show up to your house, ring your doorbell, and he's going to have horns and a pitchfork, you got it twisted. Uh, Hello. Satan typically shows up in people that you can't discern. Hello. 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 And Jesus has enough discernment to know when even one of his disciples is being used by the enemy to speak into his life. Peter hears Jesus talking about how he's going to die and how he's going to suffer. And Peter pulls Jesus to the side. Imagine the level of confidence to pull Jesus to the side. Like, I got to confront you, Jesus. you know. And, and Peter begins to say, it, that'll never happen. You're not going to die. You're not going to suffer. You're going to be with us forever. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Come on. I better, I hope that I'm talking to some people who are more loyal to your destiny than loyal to some friend that you have. At some point, you're going to have to look people in the face and be like, nah, don't get behind me, Sarah. Uh Uh-uh, get behind me, Satan, okay? Uh, We can make up later. But right now, you are trying to derail and distract me from what I know God has called me to do. And so the, the number one vehicle that God uses to bless people is people. The number one vehicle that the enemy uses, come on, to derail people, to curse people, to bring destruction into people's lives is People. People, hashtag Tinder swindler. Anyway, okay, come on. (laughs) Let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, I got ADHD. Don't distract me, don't distract me. Anytime I get distracted while I'm preaching, I'm just gonna blame you, you know what I'm saying? Stop, stop distracting me. Uh, Genesis chapter 29, come on, go to Genesis chapter 29. We're gonna start reading in verse 21. Genesis chapter 29, we're gonna start reading in verse 21. And if there's a word I don't say, I'm gonna need you to say the word that I don't say. It says this, then Jacob said to Laban, give me my uh, my time uh, is completed and I want to make love to her. Not necessarily what I would say to my father in law, but hey, <laughs> I ain't judging you, Jacob, you know what I'm saying? Um, next, <laughs> next verse, verse 22. So Laban brought together all the? People of the? Race. And gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. And I, okay, here we go. Uh, I don't know if you know this Bible story, but Jacob sees Rachel, Leah's sister. And when Jacob sees Rachel, he thinks to himself, I got to have that, okay? I got to have her. <laughs> I like what I see. Instead says that he has love at first sight. And he commits, I'll work for you, Laban, for seven years to get that Bad thing right there, her name is Rachel, okay? Mm, like how them hips is moving, Rachel, okay? I want some of that, okay? And, 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 and so he worked for seven years, but on the wedding night, Laban pulled the okie doke <laughs> And instead of bringing Rachel out, uh, he waited until evening. Why did he wait till evening? Because Thomas Edison had not invented the light bulb, okay? It's dark, in the middle of the wilderness, Get married in a tent somewhere, all right, and puts a veil over Leah's face and brings out Leah. When morning came, look, 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 get to the next verse, here we go. When morning came, there was Leah. Now you know you're not cute. When the Bible says you're not cute, that's a whole nother level of not cute, right? It's one thing for like, Me to say somebody not cute. Like, yeah, that girl, she ain't cute. It's a whole nother thing for Moses to have scrolls. (laughs) He's in the middle of writing Genesis, and the Holy Spirit taps him. Hey, buddy, remember to tell him Leah was cockeyed. You know what I'm saying? Like That's a whole whole nother level. It's a whole nother level of cute for your daddy to think you're not cute. The reason that Laban is like, uh uh-uh, oh we gotta sneak this one in, is because Laban is like, see, Rachel ain't got no problem getting a man, but this one over here, we gonna do a buy one, get one special, okay? <laughs> Hashtag Old Testament, don't try that today. You know you're not cute, okay, and, and so, Laban waits until it's dark, he brings everybody together and in the morning, there was Leah. And come on, we, you, we gotta give Jacob a little bit of grace. Cause come on, don't act like you ain't never woke up the next morning. <laughs> don't act like you ain't never woke up like there was Michael. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it was Laban didn't trick you, it was just a club. <laughs> it was just strobe lights and alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> You thought somebody looked a certain way because it was dark up in the club. And you went home with them and you woke up the next morning with buyer's remorse. You know what I'm saying? You woke up the next day like, I cannot believe. Okay, come on. Don't act like you brand new. I love the Bible. The Bible is very entertaining. If you think the Bible's boring, I don't know what book you're reading, okay? Laban tricks Jacob. He's now married to Leah when he worked for... Rachel, let, let's keep going. Uh, Jacob has some interesting words, okay? He says in verse 25, when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? I served you for? Rachel. Didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter and marriage before the older one. Bruh, you should have told me that. You coulda told, you left that clause out, okay? Uh, Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also, in return for another seven years. Woo, he's 14 years in. Verse 28, and Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant, verse 30. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. I, I want to give us context for, for uh, Rachel and Leah before we go to Genesis chapter 49. I'm going to read one more passage of scripture to you, but we got to kind of give some context because I need to introduce you to these two sisters. Now, Rachel, ooh, Rachel cute. Rachel a baddie, you know what I'm saying? Rachel, Rachel, Rachel's Instagram pictures getting, getting all types of, getting all types of likes. You know, Rachel is hot. Oh, Rachel looked good. But the Bible says that when, when Jacob and Rachel and Leah decide to leave Laban's house, Rachel steals her father's household gods, which means she's an idol worshiper. I don't know what you need household gods for if you ain't an idol worshiper. So she cute, but she kind of, she kind of a heathen. <laughs> you know, let's, keep, let's keep going. And then Laban comes out the house. Who took my household gods? Rachel got the nerve to hide the household gods underneath her seat on a camel. And then she says, you can't look, cause I'm on my period. Now any woman who's lying about her period I thought all the men was going to say amen right there. Okay. I don't think, I don't think can be trusted. I'm on my period. No, you ain't. He's a lying, idol-worshiping somebody. So not only is she an idol-worshipper, she's a liar. Not only is she a liar, but the Bible says that her and Jacob, they can't get pregnant. And every time she, is that my son? Oh. <laughs> every time she can't get pregnant... every time she can't get pregnant she blames jacob for the fact that she can't get pregnant which means so you an idol worshiper you a liar and you emotionally manipulative rachel is bad but she also bad for jacob And I would contend that any relationship that costs you 14 years of your life is probably a mistake. Now, this is probably not what you've heard in church. In church, you know how this gets preached? If a man really wants you, he should put in 14 years of work for you. And the Bible says that he enjoyed all 14 years. But if the table was turned, we would never tell a woman to wait around for a man for 14 years. So I would go ahead and contend that if a woman shouldn't wait around for a man for 14 years, then a man probably shouldn't be waiting around for a woman for 14 years. Because, ooh, A double standard is toxic. Okay, come on. Let's keep going, let's keep going. So Rachel, mm, hair is right, face right, mm, sis got it going on. Cute, thick in the right places. Made Jacob stop in his tracks. Like, mm, I will work seven years for her. But, ooh. He didn't know all of the spiritual and emotional work in the toll that her toxicity was gonna take on him. Yeah. Meanwhile, you got this other sister. <laughs> With the Fetty Wap, <laughs> you know. You know. Looking at two people at the same time, you know? (laughs) I I can look at you and you, you know? (laughs) This is the Bible, this ain't even me. It's not me, this is the Bible, this is the Bible. (laughs) Has the emotional wherewithal to get married to a man she didn't even choose and never even complain. Her father doesn't even think she's beautiful but she doesn't do anything toxic in the entire story. Meanwhile, God sees that she's not loved and every couple of years, homegirl's popping out another baby. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah. If you were to look at Jacob and say, no, 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 you got a decision to make. You can choose what's attractive or you can choose what's fruitful. You can have what looks good or you can have what is good. And a lot of us find ourselves in the same fork in the road. There are people in your life, ooh, they look right. And we don't realize that the enemy knows your type. Uh Uh-oh. The enemy knows. You like them tall, dark, handsome. So all the mans (laughs) that be rolling up on you just so happen to be your type and you don't have enough discernment to go, "Mm." this is attractive, but it's not fruitful. This is beautiful, but it's empty on the inside. And Rachel's barrenness physically is actually a mirror into her barrenness spiritually. She's not just barren physically, she's unfruitful. Meanwhile, Leah, not as cute, but fruitful. No, 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 can we be real in church? Can we be real? Come on, I got one person who's like, yep. Come on, can we be real in church? Come on, this ain't no library, this is sanctuary. Come on, talk to me. Can we be real? Here we go. I'll give Jacob the first one. You had sex with Leah? It was a mistake. It was dark, you thought it was your wife, you get a pass. But homeboy, you had Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. Leah was doing something in that tent. (laughs) Leah was doing something. She may not be cute, but she was getting a job done. She was doing something. She was throwing it back, she was doing something. She was, don't act brand new. Everyone's like, throw it back? What is that? <laughs> Don't act like you speak King James. Nah, come on. <laughs> Did he say throw it backeth? <laughs> yes, <Yes-eth>. it. <laughs> Which means this. <laughs> I told you the Bible is awesome. The Bible is very entertaining. Which means Jacob liked Leah privately but she just wasn't cute enough for her to be his arm candy. Uh Uh-oh. Can I talk to the ladies real quick? Can I talk to the ladies real quick? Can I talk? I hear, I get good energy over here, okay, come on. I'ma talk to these ladies over here, okay. Uh, Any man who is cool with you privately, but don't wanna claim you publicly, is dating you for his ego, not for his destiny. Because if that man were to prioritize his destiny, he would realize I wanna be with the woman who's fruitful. If he's dating you for his own ego, then he wants to be with the woman who's beautiful, uh-oh, because he needs his friends to like how you look. Uh-oh, 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 woo! I'm trying to give you the truth. If a dude is willing to be sexual with you in private but don't claim you publicly. Then you need to run away with that. You need to run away from that man, not with that man, from. If you like me, you'll like me in public. That's why we say, no, 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 you're a Christian, get baptized. Why? Because it is a public declaration of what? A private decision that I have made. If I really am serious about it, then everybody will know. Why, why, why do you keep our relationship a secret? Baby, because it's just special. It's so special. I don't want people, you know, to ruin what we got. That is a lying somebody, okay? If you, if you like me privately, if you don't like me publicly, you ain't going to get nothing from me privately. Come on, come on, come on. Let's keep reading the Bible. Woo! I got 12 minutes. Okay, come on, Holy Ghost. We're going to now jump to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Jacob is now an older man. Jacob is actually about to die. And he's giving instructions to his sons on how to bury him and where to bury him. And this is like a nerdy little detail that we have in the text, but I think it helps us to understand the story of Jacob, Rachel, and Leah in so much more depth. Genesis chapter 49, verse 29 says this. Then Jacob gave them, his sons, these instructions. I'm about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. There, here we go, Abraham and his wife who? Were. There Isaac and his wife who? Were buried. And there I buried Leah. Oh come on. There I buried. Leah. Do you know where Rachel gets buried? In the middle of the wilderness in an unmarked grave. Because by the time Rachel died and Jacob was an old man, he was like, You you hot, but you a hot mess. You hot, but I I got the choice of who I'm going to be buried with for the rest of eternity. And Abraham and his wife, Sarah, are buried together. And Rebecca and and, and my daddy, Isaac, are buried together. And you know what I did? When Leah died, we trooped her body all the way back to our ancestral burial ground. And I want to be buried with Leah because by the end of his life, he was wiser than he was at the beginning of his life. At the end of his life, he was more healed than he was at the beginning of his life. When we talk about attraction, we need to be careful. Because who you're attracted to when you're insecure versus who you're attracted to when you're secure are very, very, very different. Who you're attracted to when you still got open wounds versus who you're attracted to when those wounds have healed are very, very, very different. What you are attracted to in one season of dysfunction versus what you're attracted to in a season of functionality and growth is very Different what you're attracted to before Christ versus what you're attracted to after Christ. Very different. And this, here we go. Here's the title of my message. It was Leah all along. It was Leah all along. It was Leah all along. Because let's be biblical, without Leah there would be never be a boy named Judah. And if you know biblical lineage, you know that Judah is the great ancestor of Jesus. Without Judah, there would never be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Laban is the one that deceived Jacob. But it was God who was trying to bless Jacob with the best woman that he could ever have in his life. God was the one that was saying, get this, you don't even know what you need Jacob all you know is what you want all you know is what you're attracted to you have no idea what you need it takes humility for us to admit I do not have the power to pick for myself I do not know I do not know when I was young and arrogant I thought I could pick a good wife Guess what? Now that I'm older, I went, thank God, I did not end up with the women that I liked when I was 20 and 21 and 22 and 23 and 24. Thank God that that woman right there was patient enough to deal with me while I got myself together and loved me in my dysfunction. At some point, you are gonna have to realize something that you may not know what's best for you. It was Aaliyah all along. And okay, let me talk to the single folks. Cause there's probably Aaliyah in your life right now. Pastor Manny, he ain't my type. Well, let's look at your type. The last five dudes you dated was toxic and crazy and dysfunctional and cheated on you. So, maybe it's time to deviate from your type. Maybe, just maybe. You like crazy. Oh boy. Okay, 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 can, can, can we be real? Here we go. Anybody like orange juice? Come on, anybody like orange juice? Come on, I love me some orange juice. You like orange juice, come on, raise your hand. I like orange juice, okay. Has anybody ever made the mistake of brushing your teeth before you have orange juice? Ain't it crazy how something that is delicious becomes disgusting based on what was in your mouth before you put the orange juice in there? For some of us, you in church now and you like, Pastor Manny, I don't know, these church dudes is boring. And I would look at you and go, mm-mm, they not boring, No, no, nope, 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 they normal. The only problem is, You set your palate to crazy. (laughs) So you don't like normal. That's not boring, that's not boring. He got a job. Knows his purpose. It's just not as exciting. What you call exciting, I call crazy. That's crazy. Go ahead, describe exciting to me. Go ahead, oh, 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 I'm scared. What you call exciting, I go, you can go to jail for that. What you talking about? That's crazy. You like crazy. You need to be careful whether you're judging things that don't taste right to you based on whether or not it's your type. It's funny. When me and my wife first got married, I said to my wife, I didn't like rice. It was true. Didn't like rice. Hated rice. I don't like rice. And she was like, okay, I'm going to cook all the meals, so it's good for me to know you don't like rice. And I was like, yeah, I don't really like rice. So she would make all these other sides, and then we would go out to eat. And uh, I didn't know sometimes that I was ordering dishes that had rice. And at the end of the meal, she'd look at me and go, you ate all that rice. (laughs) Thought you told me you didn't like rice. And I was adamant, nope, I don't like rice. (laughs) Hate rice. She was like, uh, evidence would suggest. <laughs> it didn't matter what kind of restaurant we would go to. If we went got Asian food or Dominican food or any kind of food, I, she'd realize, yo, oh, he's finishing the rice. So she starts slipping rice into my meals at home. And she realized I'd finish all my food. Well, then I got into therapy. <laughs> Not because of the rice. <laughs> go to therapy, I just, I think I hate rice, no, no. no. I didn't get in therapy because of the rice. I got into therapy to deal with my, my family dysfunction. I had a dad who was in prison for 18 years. My father's Cuban, okay? I have a dad who took me to a crack house for the first time when I was six years old, okay? And I had a mom who was pregnant by the age of 13. And so there's is a lot of dysfunction in my family. I grew up in a very, very toxic, dysfunctional, atmosphere. And you know what? I'm going to take a minute and just veer off of my notes real quick and let somebody know just because you grew up in dysfunction does not mean you have to be trapped in dysfunction. I don't care what background you come from. Your brokenness may not have been your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. At some point, if you have enough discernment to know that your mama was crazy and your daddy was crazy, if you have enough discernment to know that they were dysfunctional, then you have enough discernment to get functional for yourself. So come on. We do not put labels on people. I don't care what background you come from. I'm the first orango in a functional marriage. First Orango to graduate from college. First Orango to own property. First Orango to have a child after marriage, not before. The devil is a liar. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what you've done. God doesn't count your sins against you. There's no generational curse stronger than the blood of Jesus. Come on, we bind every form of generational dysfunction that the enemy wants to keep perpetuating. In your family and in your family's lifeline. Come on, we take authority over that. So I'm in counseling, because I believe in prayer and counseling, hello. I need an altar call and a therapist. Come on, I need Bubba Mashundai and give me the manual with the names of the dysfunction. Come on, tell me what I need. (laughs) And so we're talking about my dad and I'm venting about my father. I'm saying, you know, my dad was Cuban, and so it wasn't a real meal unless he had rice. I'm venting. I'm in therapy for my dad and I'm just starting talking about how he was unappreciative of my mom. And my mom would, would, was seriously was a very, very like subservient uh, uh, wife. And, and she was uh, a home wife. You know what I'm saying? She was a housewife. And she would always like pick out my dad's clothes and give my dad manicures. And she cooked all the food. I grew up eating like three hot meals a day. You know what I'm saying? Like I was spoiled, right? And so... I'm venting, and I'm saying, every time my dad would sit down, it didn't matter what my mom made. Mashed potatoes and gravy, macaroni and cheese. She's some Selma, Alabama, with a gold tooth to prove it. You know what I'm saying? She's Southern. Fried okra, doesn't matter what she made. My dad would be like, there's no rice. I'd be like, bro, we had breakfast. What do you mean there's no rice? It's eggs, bro, you know? And I'm saying this in a therapy session. Can't believe that my dad was so unappreciative of of my mom, and you know what, it clicked. I've been saying I don't like rice, and it has nothing to do with my taste buds, and everything to do with my trauma. The kind of man you like has nothing to do with your taste buds. It has everything to do with the trauma that you're trying to heal from. And for a lot of us, the reason you can't break up with that dude is because he's not your boyfriend. He's your anesthesia. (sighs) He numbs all your childhood pain. And he numbs areas of brokenness that you refuse to deal with. And the reason you're attached is not because you're in love. The reason you're attached is because he takes your pain away. And even though he adds more pain to your life, you have done the math and he takes away enough of the pain to be able to add pain and I wanna help you today because you can leave a relationship like that. That is dysfunctional, that is codependent, that is not healthy and at some point, your attractions are gonna have to change. You may look at me and say, your taste can't change. I'm telling you right now, I used to hate rice and love it today. Love me some rice. You know why? Because I got healing. And the moment you get healing, things taste different to you. Your type will change. And Jacob, as an old man, goes, bury me with Leah. Because, man, me and Leah get along. And Leah's not toxic. And Leah, ooh, she can carry a conversation. And, man, Leah understands me and Leah listens. Here we go. All right. I got negative one minute. All right. We're going to do this. Okay. If we are going to prioritize fruitfulness over attraction, come on, we're going to, what are we going to do? Prioritize fruitfulness over? Then we have to be good at managing seed. If we're going to be fruitful, we have to be good at managing What? Seed. We have to be good at managing seed. So there are five seeds that everybody in the room has. Five forms of seed that every single person in the room has. Everyone has them, and we're gonna go through all five in 30 seconds. It's gonna be great. Help us, Holy Ghost. Number one words. Every word you speak is a seed you sow. Every single word you speak is a seed you sow and you have to begin to realize that I'm not just talking, I'm sowing seed. Every time I open up my mouth, I'm sowing seed. So, all the husbands in the room, if the dude she works with at her job sows more seeds of compliments, we can't really be all that shocked when the fruit of attraction starts growing on the wrong tree. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, can we talk about Marriage, real quick. Because I believe that the man is supposed to be the head of the home. That's not even controversial, that's just biblical. However, a head has a couple of ingredients, couple of parts that make a head a head. A head has to have eyes that work. So if the man is supposed to be the head of the home, then that means he has to provide vision for where the family is going. If you're gonna have a head, that means the nose has to work. Which means the man has to have discernment to know when an atmosphere is off and not safe for his family. If a man is going to be the head, then that means he has to be able to hear from the Holy Ghost. And if a man is going to be the head, then that means his mouth has to work. He has to talk. He has to sow seed and he has to communicate. If you expect to be the head of your family and you can't see where God is taking you, you can't discern when anything's off, you don't hear from the Holy Ghost, and all of, and most of all, you don't talk, you're not a head, you're a skull. If you're gonna be the head of your family, then that means you are going to take responsibility over the seed you sow. Now, Talk about seed, as it is in the physical, so it is in the spiritual. Men sow seed. What do women do? They impregnate, they grow, they incubate, and they eventually give birth to the seed you give them. So if all the seed you sow is negativity, doubt, fear, complaining, uh uh-oh, criticism, I don't like your food, oh. That seed, oh, that seed, he got quiet in the room. Because yeah. not what you say, it's how you say it. And there is a way to praise your spouse into change. into praise your spouse into becoming the person that you see them to be because you got God's perspective on them before you married them in the first place. And so when you talk, there's faith in what you say. If you're married to somebody who you know lacks confidence, then why would you use that as a weapon against them? When you talk, you are sowing seed. Every time you talk, every word, the Bible says this, you're going to have to give an account for what? The words you speak. When we talk about can we talk, we got to realize that we have to frame this not just as words, but as seeds that we're sowing at all times. It's funny, the reason that me and Pastor Robert got so close is because we were doing a conference in North Carolina called Flood Conference. We invited Pastor Robert in 2016, then again in 2017, then again in 2018. Well, in the middle of 2018 and 2019, my pastor randomly calls me one day and just says, "'Yeah, we're not doing that conference no more.'" Now, to give you context, the conference had grown from 500 youth and young adults to about 2,000 youth and young adults. I was proud of this conference. This thing was near and dear to my heart. There was no board meeting, there was no conversation. It was just, we ain't doing that conference no more. Ooh, that hurt. I was offended, I was angry, I was upset. I was a youth pastor on staff at this church in North Carolina. But let me tell you this, by the time I got home and those words got to my wife's ears, do you wanna know what I said out of my mouth? I said, I believe the Holy Spirit wants us to put this conference on the altar of sacrifice because I need my wife to show up to church and say amen when my pastor preaches. So why would I sow a seed of criticism about somebody that my wife is gonna have to be submitted to? That's not wise, that's called gossip. And guess what happens when a man sows seed? After you sow seed, you roll over and you go to sleep. Guess who has to deal with the seed that you just sowed into their life? The woman has to deal with the seed that you just left deposited into her. Now. After you sow seed, every man knows this. You go home talking about I can't stand Deacon Jimmy. I hate Deacon Jimmy. Disrespecting me, I can't stand Deacon Jimmy. I hate Deacon Jimmy. Two weeks ago about you and Deacon Jimmy, golf buddies again. Y'all have made up, y'all have reconciled. Guess who now hates Deacon Jimmy? She's now pregnant and giving birth to bitterness towards Deacon Jimmy. All because you couldn't keep your mouth closed. All because you sowed seed irresponsibly. Your spouse is not just your venting partner. They're a garden that you're sowing seed into. And at some point, you're going to have to realize everything I sow into this relationship is going to grow into something. So before I'm quick to argue or quick to confront or quick to gossip or quick to vent, I have to take inventory on what kind of seed I'm sowing into the soil of this relationship. And both parties have a responsibility. Not only the man that's sowing, the woman is sowing as well. So guess what, sis? If you got a male coworker who's sowing more seed than your husband, it's your responsibility to shut that down at work. Uh Uh-oh. And put a gate up around your garden. Don't go to work fishing for compliments. That's a moment to have a conversation with your husband. Be like, you know what? I look good, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's an area I need you to sow in. I need, I need, I need words of affirmation. I, I need that. Man, at some point. You're gonna have to admit that if there's a certain kind of fruit in your relationship, it got there because some kind of seed was sown. And if we're gonna be fruitful, we gotta know how to manage seed. I'll give you two through five real quick. Number two, time is a seed. Time is a seed. You can't spend more time at work than you do in your marriage and think that it's gonna flourish. You will reap where you sow. So if you spend all your time playing video games, Uh uh-oh, that's where you're gonna reap. Relationships require time. You know what time does? It helps people to trust one another. You can't rush hard conversations. Set aside time. One of the things that me and my wife did that was wise is instead of blindsiding each other with confrontation, I say, hey, can we talk? It's one of the scariest words in marriage. Can we talk? I'd say, how about this? I'm a public speaker. I speak for a living. It's not fair for me to blindside you. Because just because I'm a better debater than you doesn't mean that I should win all the arguments. So can we talk on Monday at 2 o'clock? Man, Tia would show up Monday at 2 o'clock with a list. Prepared. Because I'm a verbal processor. She's not. It's not fair for a verbal processor to get into an argument And you've won the argument, but you lost the relationship. What good is it to win an argument, but lose the person you say you love? If you win arguments, you lose relationship. That's the equation. Time, number three, tears. Psalm chapter, I think it's 126. Psalm chapter 126. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. You know why some of us can't get over our ex? Because you keep crying about him. Uh-oh. Not realizing that tears is not just moisture leaving your eye sockets. Every tear you cry is a seed you sow. I'm not saying to be in denial, not a moat, but for some of us, you've been mourning for two years. And that relationship been dead, the expiration date then come and gone, and you're still mourning over it. Number four, money. You keep saying things like, we can't afford a vacation. Well, guess what? Or we can't afford date night. Well, at some point, you're going to have to sow. That's not money you're spending. That's actually money that you are investing into the fruitfulness of a relationship. And last one, John chapter 12. John chapter 12 says this. We can put it up on the screen. John chapter 12. Has this been helpful today? You sure? Has this been helpful today? I want to make sure this is helpful. Last one, John chapter 12. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and, and what? Dies. Dies. It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will what? Keep it for eternal life. Do you know why there are many seeds in this room today? There are many seeds in this room today because Jesus did not keep his life. He decided what? I'm not gonna love my life so much as to keep it to myself, but I am a seed. Jesus realizes I'm a seed and a seed has one job. A seed gets in the ground and it dies. And as long as a seed dies to itself, it can what? Produce a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 fold. And there are millions of Christians Around the globe, worshiping Jesus today because he decided to sacrifice his life. Words are a seed, time is a seed, tears are a seed, money is a seed. You know what the fifth seed is? You are a seed. You're a seed. You know what marriage requires of you? For you to die to yourself. It requires that you get in the ground and you die. And we don't just get married because we look good in pictures, but we get married because I first given myself to God so that I could give myself to another person. I don't even know how to be selfless with another human until I first die to me. I die to my selfishness. If there's one person I would say is a poster child of dying to herself, it's my wife sitting on the front row. When, my, when me and my wife were struggling with infertility, every infertility doctor said, well, bruh, it's you. Nothing's wrong with her. She's completely fertile. I said, you don't have any mobile or working sperm. It's you, you're the problem. And I remember in order for us to have children, We had to do a process called IVF, in vitro fertilization. Required no shots from me. It required two to three shots a day from my wife. She was not infertile, but you know what? The day she married someone who was infertile, she became infertile, and so she was willing to go through pain every day for us to have that boy because she died to herself before she married me. Are you married to somebody? who's got debt, guess what? Then that means you got debt. You married to somebody who's got family drama, then guess what you got now? Family drama. You want to know what marriage is? An invitation for you to die to yourself. If my wife had said, well, I'm not the one that got diagnosed with infertility. I ain't taking no shots. We would not have been able to multiply and be fruitful. You wanna know what it takes for your relationship to be fruitful? Two people who are willing to say, I'll die to me. I'll die to me. What's your love language? I'll give you your love language. I'm dead. I, I don't, what, what, what do you need? Well, I, I, I want to serve you. I, I want to love you. I'll put you before me. And as long as both people are putting the other person above the other person, then you have an equation where both people are dying to self constantly. And that is what the world needs as a picture of love not just good pictures, not just romance, not just what's attractive, but what's fruitful. That next argument, how about you die before you start that next argument? That next complaint that you have for your wife, how about you die before you complain? The next conversation you go into, how about you think more about how they're gonna hear it than what you have to get off your chest? The moment you begin to die, you do marriage a little different. You say, you know what, I'm willing to sacrifice. Maybe you're in this room, you saying, Pastor Manny, I got to change my words. I got to change my words. You're talking to me. If that's you, I want to lift your hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Come on, wave at me. I got to change my words. I got to change my words. Maybe you're in the room and you're saying, you know what? I'm stingy with my time. I'm stingy with time. I haven't been so on the right time. Come on, wave at me. Wave at me. Wave at me. I got I to gotta, I gotta actually invest time. Maybe you're in the room and the stuff that breaks God's heart doesn't break your heart yet. You cry and mourn over stuff that God is not crying and mourning over. And the stuff that breaks God's heart, it don't break your heart. You cry over the wrong stuff and you don't cry enough over the right stuff. And you gotta start turning tears into seed. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? I wanna know who I'm praying for. Number four, you're in a relationship, maybe you're married and you've just been stingy. You're stingy with finances. You see it as my money and your money. And God's like, nah, whoa, you're one. The two have become one. Who am I talking to? Come on, who am I talking to? Come on, I see your hand, I see your hand. Maybe in the room and you're saying, I hope this is the most hands, because my hand's gonna go up for this one too. I need to die to myself in order for a relationship to actually flourish. I need to sow the seed of me into my family. I need to sow the seed of me into my relationship. I need to sow the seed of me. I've been withholding myself. I came into this with selfish motives and I need to die to my selfish ambition so that this relationship doesn't have to die. I want the relationship to live, so you know what I'll do? I'll die. If that's you, come on, raise your hand. God, I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters at Social Dallas today. God, I thank you right now by the power of your spirit. You're going to take the seed that we're stewarding, and you are going to help us to sow it well. God, I ask right now for an increase in every area of our life. God, as we sow in tears, God, I ask that we would reap in joy. God, as we sow ourselves into our marriages, God, I ask that we would reap love and joy and peace peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Come on, God. We want a harvest of righteousness. God, we want Social Dallas to be a fruitful place. And God, that starts with fruitful relationships, fruitful families, fruitful marriages. God, if there's somebody in the room today and they've been talking about divorce, it's been arguing nonstop. God, we ask right now that you would bind them both together with cords of love that cannot be broken. Come on. God, we bind the spirit of division and divorce, come on God, right now, if there's somebody who's just been wandering in relational confusion, God, we declare clarity over their life today. God, I ask that as we begin to steward seed, you would make the Leah's in our life more attractive. That if we've been prioritizing Rachel, we've been prioritizing aesthetics and attractiveness, that you would help us to die to our shallow wants and shallow needs and begin to prioritize the kingdom. Come on, God, we pray that over every single person under the sound of my voice. Come on, from the front to the back, from the left to the right, and we declare, come on, amen. That means it is done. Come on, so let it be. Come on, amen, amen, amen. I love you, Social Dallas. We would like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website socialdallas.online and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world.